Hey, we're in a series called Stronger, where we've been studying this book, the book of Hebrews, written by an unknown author to a group of, of Christians. And really, it was an encouragement for them to not give up. It was an encouragement to keep going. How many of you think that's a message that's relevant today? And as we dive into God's word in Hebrews chapter 12 today, I want to begin with this encouragement. Whatever challenge you're facing, whatever difficulty you're, you're faced with in your life, whatever situation you're staring at right now, and I know there's a plethora all around the room. We all have issues that we're facing in our lives. Can I tell you today that God is bigger? Can I tell you today that God is stronger than whatever challenge you're facing? And that, and that God wants to lend you some of his strength, church. Come on. He wants to give you some of that strength so that you can make it through whatever you're facing today. And this morning, we're going to read a passage from the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. If you have your Bibles, your devices, you can turn there. It's Hebrews 12, 4 through 11. And it says this. It's on the screen for you this morning as well. It says this, in your struggle against sin... Well, there's a whole word right there. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses, addresses you as a father addresses his son? And it says, this is a quote from Proverbs chapter 3. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Verse 7 says, endure hardship as discipline. Somebody say, endure. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. Underline that. God disciplines us for our good in order that we might share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Can I get an amen? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest. Come on. A harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The title of today's message is God's Discipline. God's Discipline. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we thank you that you discipline those whom you love. We thank you, Lord, that you, you want to bring instruction and discipline in our lives. God, that you are the best father, the, the ultimate father, a good father looking out for the, the benefit of all of your children. God, today I pray that our hearts would just be open that we'd be open to receive your word and, and God, that we would respond to it in the way that each of us needs to. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 
Well, I am the youngest of six, six children, a little like the Brady Bunch, three boys and three girls. Any youngest children in the room today? Come on, all right, you're my people, you're my people. Now, I was the youngest of six, and my siblings, they would often tell me how spoiled I was and how mom always, like, treated me differently. I see you older kids shaking your head right now, looking at us younger children, right? My, my siblings would always say, oh, you're just spoiled. And, and I would just say, well, no, mom just loves me more because I'm a good kid. <laughs> I was, I was kind of like never really in trouble much until like I turned about 12 and then I went down a different path. But as a young child, I was rarely ever in trouble. Now, I, I do remember like the first time I got in big trouble. Someone say big trouble. I got in big trouble. And see what happened was my, my mom was working. She was a single mother at the time. And my, my siblings were supposed to be, catch that, supposed to be watching me. And I was about four years old at the time. My siblings were supposed to be responsible. And me being the young, independent four-year-old that I was, I hopped on my trike. Come on, you can picture that red and white trike. You all know what I'm talking about. I hop on my trike, and we lived out in the middle of nowhere, farm, farm country, cornfields as far as the eye can see. And we had a long lane. Come on, cornfields. I heard that. We had a very long lane that led to a, a pretty busy highway. It was about a quarter mile lane. And I got on my trike and I was determined that day to go see my friend, Earl Lee. Now, you know you in the country when your best friend's name is Earl Lee. So I hop on my trike. I'm trying to get down to Earl Lee's house. Now, my siblings are nowhere to be seen, so I'm just triking along. And what happens but my mom comes home from work. She catches me on my trike most of the way down the lane. Remember, there's a busy highway at the other end of that lane. That's a scary moment for a parent. On that occasion, I got my very first spanking. I got my first spanking. I still blame my siblings because if they had been watching me, that wouldn't have had to happen, right? But I remember, I remember getting my first spanking. And, and look, as a parent, how many parents do we have in the room today if you're a parent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a parent, the goal of that moment of discipline is it's, it's a moment of training like, hey, yo, there's, there's danger on the other side of this lane, right? And so my mom did what any good mom would do, and she gave me my first spanking. I only got one other spanking my whole life as a kid, and it was, about, uh, it was about five years later, and I did the same thing. I rode my bike too far without permission. I didn't learn. I'm hard-headed sometimes. But the reality is that as children, don't we typically think of discipline in a negative light? We think of discipline and, and we have negative connotations that come to mind. We associate discipline with pain. Anybody else's parent ever used that line, this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me? What are you talking about? This is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. That stuff hurts. I don't think you're hurting. I'm crying here, right? <laughs> and what happens is we begin to associate discipline with pain and what can happen is we carry that association into our adult lives. Can we be real? We don't like to be disciplined. None of us want to get a, a ticket when we go over the speed limit. 
None of us want to get disciplined at work when we maybe don't meet the expectations in our workplace. And if we're not careful, we can also resist the discipline of a heavenly father who loves us and wants what's best for us. Today, we're going to talk about God's discipline in our lives. And you might be here and you might be thinking, why would I need God's discipline? Like, this is why I don't come to church. I, I, I don't want to be disciplined. I'm grown. I don't need discipline. And that may be kind of where you find yourself. Maybe you're here. You're not even really following Jesus yet. You're here because a family member was baptized or a friend invited you. And when you, you hear about this idea of a, a God who disciplines, our first response can be, whoa, I, I'm not sure I want to sign up for that. The problem is this, we have a misunderstanding of why God disciplines. At the beginning of this verse in Hebrews chapter 12, it begins with these words and they seem a little counterintuitive. The writer says, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? A word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. And this passage, as you read it, it's all about the discipline of God. And the writer reminds the audience, and it's a reminder for us today, that God's discipline is a word of encouragement. It's a word of encouragement. And here's why. Look at the next verse. In verse 6, it says, who does God discipline? The one that he loves. That's why it's an encouragement. You see, if, if we are resisting the discipline of God, we're resisting God's love for us. And so God's discipline is really an act of love for us as his children. Here's another way to think of it. God's discipline towards us is motivated by his love for us. God's discipline toward you and I is motivated by his love for you and I. Aren't you thankful for the love of God? Aren't you thankful that we have a father in heaven that won't let us just hop on our trike and ride towards disaster at the end of the highway? But he'll bring direction. He'll, be, he'll bring correction and direction and, and discipline to us. I don't know about you, but I need that discipline in my life. And this is the interesting thing here. The word discipline in seven verses is used 10 times. 10 times in seven verses the writer uses this word in, in the Greek, which the New Testament was written in originally. The word is pahe deo. Pahe deo. And here's what it means. It means to instruct, to train, or to educate. Well, now that's a different paradigm to look at, the, look at discipline through the lens of. See, so many times we think of discipline as being punishment. That's not what God's discipline is all about. God's discipline is for the purpose of instructing you, training you, educating us. Why? So that we can become more like him. It's pahedeo. And the root word for, for discipline here is actually derived from the same word that, that translates pupil. Hello. Anybody need to go to God's school to learn discipline? We need that in our lives. We need to be trained. We need to be instructed. We need to be pupils in God's school of discipline. I want you to say this with me today. And some of you are going to have a hard time. Discipline is good. Discipline 
is good. Tell your neighbor, God's trying to teach you something. You see, discipline is just what God does to teach us. Some of you enjoyed that too much now. <laughs> careful, careful, especially if you're married. Ooh, that was a moment. Hey, look, there's some key ideas in this passage that I, I feel like if we'll get them in our heart, it changes the way we respond to God's discipline. The first thing is this. God's discipline is not about our past, but rather it's about our future. As parents, we don't discipline necessarily just because of the offense that kids create, the, the kids, uh, you know, the offense. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You guilty, child. I got three kids, right? We have three boys. And can I tell you, they just like, they're great kids, but they fuss with each other and they, they go at each other and they, you know, they just do things to each other, especially, you know, the oldest sibling who shall remain nameless. Is he in the room? He, he likes to get under the skin of his brothers. And here's the thing. When I discipline well, my discipline is not about the offense. It's about my preferred future for my child. Hello? Like, it's not about the fact that you hit your brother. It's about the idea that you can't resolve conflict through violence, right? It's not about the fact that, that you treated your mom disrespectfully. It's about you, in your life, you're going to have authority that you need to submit to. It's training, right? Good discipline is not just about what happened. It's about where I'm trying to get somebody to go. Come on, parents. I'm trying to teach you who you need to be 25 years down the road. It's not about our past, it's about our future. Here's another way to say it. It is preparation, not punitive. I'm trying to prepare you for your future. At five years old, six years old, I know there are things that you're gonna face 10, 20 years from now that as a parent, I want to prepare you for that. It's preparation, it's not punitive. Or you could say it this way, it's training, not punishment. It's training, it's not punishment. And so, I want you to put your guard down this morning when you think discipline. Oh, that's punishment. God's in heaven. He wants to beat me over the head for what I've done wrong, for the things, the mistakes that I've made in my past. Look, cancel that. That's not what it is. Discipline from God is training for your future. It's preparation for the person that God wants you to become. And so all of a sudden, it should flip the script and we should be excited to be disciplined by God. This section over here, believe that. We should be excited to be disciplined by God. All right. Now we're together. Now we're together. All right. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote. It's not punishment. And here's why. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. And then we'll skip a few to 24 and 25. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. In the book of Romans. And I, I know that nothing good lives in me. Well, we can all say amen. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Man, this is about me. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. That's what my son Jackson would say. <laughs> Listen to what Paul says. I love this. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Man, if that verse ended right there, we might as well close up shop and go home today, but it doesn't. Listen to what it says in verse 25. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to be stuck 
in a pattern of mistakes and sin and man, I blew it again. Aren't you thankful for that? I know I am. The apostle Paul found the secret. He found the key, the, the key to overcoming that struggle of, of self and sin is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And the reason that God's discipline isn't punishment is because Jesus took your punishment for you. Come on, somebody. He took your punishment. God doesn't want to punish you, but he does want to discipline you. He wants to instruct you. He wants to teach you. He wants to train you. He wants to show us some things about who, who we, he's created us to be and who who he wants us to be, not just today, but a year from now and two years from now. The preferred future that God has for us. And Paul said the answer is in Jesus Christ. It's training, not punishment. Good news today. It's a process. This is the apostle Paul, y'all. He is like superhero scholar, wrote half of the New Testament or more. And he says, man, I'm wretched in and of myself, but thank God for Jesus that took the punishment for me and who has the power to watch this change me. We say there are no perfect people allowed here that we're reaching imperfect people to follow a perfect Jesus. And that's true. But can I tell you, God doesn't just allow us to stay the way he finds us when we put our faith in him. He wants to bring change. He wants to bring transformation in our lives and it begins in our hearts. But the problem is we don't, we don't necessarily love the idea of being disciplined. We, we can resist God's discipline. Listen to what he, the writer of Hebrews says again in verses seven through nine in Hebrews 12. Endure hardship as discipline. Ooh, that's, that's loaded right there in and of itself. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And if you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. I'm not calling anyone illegitimate in the room. That's just what the writer said right here. He said, if you're not being disciplined, you might not be a legitimate child of God. Then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. Now, I wanna pause right here. I realize that for maybe some people in the room, including myself, when you read a passage like this that compares your earthly father to our heavenly father, you might have a moment where you say, oh man, I, I don't love the sound of that. Because maybe some of your greatest wounds, your greatest hurts, your greatest betrayals were at the hands of your earthly father. My, my earthly father was absent. He wasn't present in my life. And so what happens is I, I have, a, I have a, a, a perspective on fatherhood that God had to rearrange and shift and change so that I could relate to God as a, as a perfect heavenly father. If you're here today and you'd say, yeah, my, my perspective of fatherhood is not that good. I just want to encourage you. God wants to be the perfect father that you didn't have. In verse seven, the question is posed, what children are not disciplined? And some of you have an answer in mind right now. You're like, my neighbor's children. <laughs> my sister's children. That child at the grocery store that acts up in, in the aisle at Walmart. I know some children that aren't disciplined. 
Look, do you look at those children and think to yourself, what a great parent. What, what an amazing parent. They're not, this, they must really love their kid. No, of course not. We don't think that. We think, how irresponsible. I, I'm worried about that child's future. If their parent's not going to correct them now at, at four and five, what are they going to look like at 24 and 25? Now, on the flip side, if I pulled the room and I said, how many of you want to be children of God? I think we'd have a resounding, yes, that's me. I want to be a child of God. But then if I said, okay, how many of you are ready for God's discipline in your life? Hands would go down. Uh, What's that look like? What's that mean? That sounds scary, right? Guess what? You can't have one without the other. They go hand in hand together. As God's children, we are subject to God's discipline. And remember this, it's for your good. It's because he loves you. You know, what can happen is we can desire the benefits of being God's children without allowing the correction of being disciplined by our Father in heaven. It's it's coming up on screen because some of y'all didn't catch that. What can happen is we can desire the benefit of being a child of God without allowing the correction of being disciplined by our Father in heaven. So now the question is, okay, so what, how does God discipline? Is that like a heavenly timeout or like I, I get a spanking from heaven or like I'm losing privileges this week? Like no TV, like, right? Those are the ways that we discipline. So, so what does God's discipline really look like for our lives? And I, I want to just say this, this list that I'm about to give you is not exhaustive. There are other ways that God can bring discipline in our lives. But these are just a few ways that I believe God disciplines his children. Here, here they come. God can use circumstances. Say circumstances. Consequences. Say that. And conviction. Say conviction. To bring discipline in our lives. Circumstances, consequences, and conviction. In verse seven, it says, endure hardship as discipline. Endure hardship as discipline. So does that mean that all of the hardship that we face in life is discipline from God? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that sometimes the hardship that we face, God is trying to teach us something. There are times in our life where we face circumstances, where we face consequences, and where we face conviction Where God, remember, the whole goal is not to beat you up over the head for your flaws that we all have. The goal is to bring correction. The goal is to bring instruction and training. So the the first one that I mentioned is circumstances, right? And a lot of times that can be hardships. Circumstances are out of our control. And many times God will allow circumstances in our life that are difficult in order to teach us something. I wish I had more time to to dive in right here, but look, I I know for me lately, this is the way that God has been bringing discipline in my life. That the circumstances that are out of my control is a tool that God is using to teach me some stuff about myself and about him. The second thing that I mentioned is consequences. Now these are things that are not out of our control. Consequences, the result of maybe a choice that we made or uh, an action that, that we did. Consequences are on us. Anybody ever 
watch somebody suffer a natural consequence and you were like, yep, that's what you get. <laughs> right? Texting and driving, ran off the road. Well, natural consequence. Now, we would never say, well, that's what you get about that. <laughs> Ate too much turkey at Thanksgiving, felt really bad the next day, consequence. For me, it was uh, cream cheese, uh, cheesecake, pumpkin pie cheesecake. I ate half of one. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> There's a consequence with that. I felt really bad, and now, now I got to hit the gym even harder, right? It's a natural consequence. And God can use, watch, God can redeem even our bad choices and use them to bring training in our lives. Another way that God can bring discipline in our lives is through conviction. I want to just stop here for a moment and just talk about what conviction is. Are you all awake still? Is everybody still okay? All right. Whew. Got worried. Conviction. Here's what conviction is. Conviction is what the Holy Spirit does inside of us when we, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. It's when the Holy Spirit shows us what to do and what not to do. Now, you may be here today and you're kind of like, hey, I haven't been in church in a while. I'm just here for baptisms. Now you're getting out there a little bit. Like you're talking about like the Holy Spirit's going to tell me stuff. Uh-huh. Yep. This is a powerful tool that God uses to bring training and instruction in our lives. He can use other people to bring conviction. And here's what that doesn't mean. Other people being judgmental and uh, like trying to bring down the hammer of God. I'm talking about loving correction from somebody that you have a relationship with in the body of Christ that says, hey, have you thought about what the consequences of your actions might be in this area? And they, the, the, the Lord can use somebody. Anybody believe God could use the person sitting on your right or left to bring conviction in your life? Or sometimes it comes right through the word of God. You read something and you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> I, yep, there's something in me that's not right that doesn't align with God's word right here. And then other times the Holy Spirit might just speak to you directly. Hey, I, I see what you're doing right now and I wanna, I wanna help you overcome that. I wanna help you change that. See, here's the powerful thing about God's discipline. As parents, we discipline and we're like, now fix it. <laughs> right? <laughs> At least I do. But here's what God does when he disciplines. Now I'm gonna help you fix it. I'm going to help you overcome that thing. I'm going to help you walk in freedom. I'm going to help you walk in victory. You don't have to stay stuck with whatever that pattern of behavior, pattern of, of thoughts is in your life. I'm going to help you fix that. But first I got to show you that it's not right. There's correction. There's instruction. There's training that God wants to bring. In John chapter 16 Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. That's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives as Christ followers. I don't know about you, but I, I need that. I haven't got it all figured out. I've been walking with Jesus almost 20 years, and the longer I go, the more I realize I, I am like Paul in Romans 7. What I want to do, I, I, I just can't do it sometimes. I need God's help to overcome my own self, my own nature. Aren't you thankful that God wants to show you what you need to fix, then he wants to help you fix it? That's the God that we have. That's the heavenly father that we have. So the question here as we 
prepare to close. Don't, don't hold me to that. The question here becomes, so how do we respond to God's discipline? How many of you know we can respond to discipline in a lot of different ways? Your kids, if you're a parent, respond. sometimes they respond well, sometimes they don't. Come on, somebody, just my kids, all right. So how do we respond to God's discipline? And I want to begin by saying, uh, showing us two ways that this verse says not to respond. Super quick. I, kn I know you're like, two more things, three more things? Here we go. All right. Here's what it says in verse five. It says, my son or daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Two things not to do. Don't make light of it and don't lose heart when God disciplines you. Oh, this is a whole word right here. Look, making light of discipline, prime example. A couple weeks ago, our youngest son, Jackson, some of y'all know him. If anybody wants to take him home today, you can. <laughs> just kidding. I love my kids. I'm just playing. He, but he thinks he's in charge, y'all. He's six. He's the youngest. He thinks he's in charge. He's got a leadership gift. We just need some discipline, correction. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, something happened. I don't even remember. It was something. And he kind of talked back to his mom, and his mom was like, okay, you're going to the corner. He said, so? I don't even care. Direct quote, so I don't even care. I, I did the dad move, man, I came across the room. What, what did you say? I took him by his hand. How many of you know the discipline just got intensified? We went from a timeout to a let me help you upstairs, son. You, you get the gist of it. He said, I don't even care. What was he doing? He was making light of his, his mom's discipline in that moment. Sometimes aren't we guilty of doing the same thing with God? God, I know you're trying to change something in me. God, I know that you're trying to work something out in me, but right now I just can't even deal with that. And what happens is we short circuit God's process of discipline in our lives. We say, okay, God, we'll get to that later. And guess what? We wander around the desert like the Israelites for 40 years, just walking in circles, looking at the same stuff, going through the same lack of faith issues because we have made light of God's discipline in our lives. And then the other thing it says is that don't lose heart. It says don't lose heart, right? Don't make light of it, but on the flip side of it, don't lose heart. In other words, that's like, here's what it is. Man, I'll never get it right. Man, I just can't, I, I, I might as well not even try. Why do, why do I even bother? I just keep struggling with the same issue again and again and again. Can I tell you this morning, there are people in the room that you're, that's where you are. You're ready to lose heart. You're ready to give up on God's discipline process because you feel stuck. You feel hopeless and, and you're losing heart. And this morning, I just want to encourage you not to give up on the process. Come on, we are all in process. I'm in process. You're in process. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't give up on God's discipline. So how, what do we do? How do we respond? One little word. It's a, it's a big word, but it's little. Verse 9. We've all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we, what's the word? That's the key. 
How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? Do you know what that means? Yield. Just surrender. Just yield to God. Whatever he's telling you to stop doing, stop doing it. Whatever he's telling you to start doing, start doing it. Whatever he's trying to bring instruction in your life to, yield to it. Just allow him to train you in the way that he wants. In order for discipline to be effective, we have to submit to it. In order for God's discipline to be effective in our lives, we must submit. So what does that look like? Well, sometimes we just ask ourselves the wrong questions. We, we say things like, God, why are you mad at me? Come on, anybody ever thought that? Like, God, why are you so mad at me about whatever it might be? A different question that you, you maybe could ask in a situation like that is, God, what are you trying to teach me? Hello? You could jot these down. You might want to revisit them later. I, I've got them written down already. Here's another one. God, why are you allowing this? Instead, maybe we could ask, God, what are you asking me to change? Here's one. God, how can I get out of this? Anybody ever try to skirt discipline as a kid? Man, I was good at that. How, how do I get out of this one? And instead, we could say, God, what can I learn about myself or you through this situation? Verse 10, God disciplines us for our good. God disciplines us for our good in order that we might share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. That word trained right there is the same word that the word gym, like gym where you go to lift weights and run. Same word, trained. We need to be trained in God's school of discipline. And it says the result is holiness, righteousness, and peace. Look, super fast, quick definition of those things. Holiness, it's God's character. It's becoming more and more like God. Jesus said, be holy for I'm holy. Holiness, can I tell you, the holiness, that's a whole nother message, has a negative connotation in our society. We think, oh, holy, that's like unattainable. That's like, man, how could I ever live up to it? No, no, no. Holiness is a character of God that he wants to instill in our lives as we submit to his discipline. And then there's righteousness. That just means right living by faith in Christ. Holiness and righteousness go together. And then it says there's this harvest of peace. Here's the way I would say it. When you, are, when you are submitted to God's discipline and he's working holiness and he's working righteousness in your heart, all of a sudden you have a peace with God that grows in, grows in your experience. Here, here's the flip side of it. When we don't submit to God's discipline, typically we have feelings of shame and guilt and condemnation that just hang over us like a dark cloud. When we submit to God's training, when we submit to his discipline, he begins to work holiness out in us. That's not something we can do on our own. Remember what Paul said in Romans 7, thank God for Jesus, because without him, there's no hope at all. You see, these three things, holiness, righteousness, and peace, it's really just a loving heavenly father trying to get us to look more and more like him. 
That's the goal of his discipline. That he wants us to be more like him. I for real am going to close with this. I'm going to be, can I be real? Can I be transparent today? I, I have felt uh, a deep sense of renewed discipline from God in my life over the last few months. And really it started with a wave of, of one of those C words that we talked about, conviction, right? The thing that the Holy Spirit does to show us what to do and what not to do. Started with a wave of conviction where God was just revealing some stuff about me to me that I needed to get right. And it was a lot about like my attitude. Look, the hurricane came and y'all know what's going on in Bell Chase and we need a new roof and the building and all those things. But you know what God's began to show me that it's really not about all that. It's really about how you respond to all that. It's really about your attitude in the midst of all this. The circumstances are difficult, but God began to bring conviction like, yo, your attitude, your lack of faith, like we, we need to work on some stuff here. And over the last few months, I, I've been kind of on this journey where God, God's been showing me like, you've been resisting a little bit of my discipline in some areas, and I just want radical obedience from you. I think he wants that from all of us. I think he wants our, our, our yes every time. No matter what he asks us to do or to not do, to think or to not think, to lay down or to pick up. I, I believe that God is just interested in our obedient yes. And that when we will just give God our unconditional yes, he can work some things out in our lives. And so I, I just, I, I tell you all that today to say, man, it's been transformative for me these last few months as I've just tried to renew my yes to God and just say, whatever, whatever it is, God, radical obedience. I'm not going to resist. Look, I was resisting some things. There were some things that God was saying, hey, I'd like for you to like, I'd like for you to come yield, submit. Like, will you submit this? Will you yield this? And I was like, uh, maybe later, not right now. I don't, I don't know. I'm not ready. Right. I was on that path for a little bit. And, and again, it's like, until you learn the lesson, you got to be disciplined. Until my kids learn how to relate to one another, we're going to keep discipline and training them to get it right. And I just, I've decided I don't want to keep going on the hamster wheel of God's discipline. I want to move on to the next lesson. Hello? Some of us get stuck in a pattern and we don't move on because we're not willing to yield. And I just believe God wants to break that in us, even today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning all across this room?